today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith None of us could ever earn our way to heaven. All of the good works we might try to do, all of the things we might try not to do, none of those things could ever get us into the door of heaven. It was grace and grace alone. But once you receive it, it'll cost you everything. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and If you were in prison and you were given the opportunity for freedom, would you stay in your cell or would you get up and go? The gift of salvation is free. You simply must accept it in faith. But as Pastor Ed reminds us in today's message, when you receive this gift of freedom from sin and death, you must live in it. You can't attain or maintain your salvation by works. But when you've been given such a great gift, it's your responsibility to live in it. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. First Peter chapter 1 verses 13 to 21. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know, That it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead, glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Peter wrote concerning a fellow apostle, Paul. He said, he writes some things very hard to understand. And I think, uh, I wonder what Paul thought of Peter's writings. (laughs) Some things aren't very easy to understand, but some things are really, really clear. One of the things that Peter is doing is he's saying, you know, I want you to think about your Christian walk, how you live this life. So many times 
when we look at the Bible, we can read over it very quickly. As I was looking at this portion of Scripture, I said, boy, I could spend a couple of sermons just on these verses. Then I said, well, no, we'd go to the end of the year if I would do that on First Peter. But may I encourage you, read the book, open up First Peter, read it aloud, think about it, memorize it, make it yours. There's a quote that I have in your study notes from a famous scholar, missionary, statesman, E. Stanley Jones. E. Stanley Jones made this statement. Grace binds you with far stronger cords than the cords of duty or obligation can bind you. Grace is free, but once you take it, you are bound forever to the giver and bound to catch up with the spirit of the giver. Light produces like. Grace makes you gracious, and the giver makes you give. That's what Peter's getting at. See, he had just been talking about salvation. He began to explain that God adopted us. We were lost. We were going to hell. We were without Christ, without hope. But then he adopted us. Then he cleansed us of our sins. And he gave us the promise of eternal life that we would live forever and ever and ever. Grace is free, but once you receive it, it costs you everything. None of us could ever earn our way to heaven. All of the good works we might try to do, all of the things we might try not to do, none of those things could ever get us into the door of heaven. It was grace and grace alone. But once you receive it, it'll cost you everything. There's a song that I enjoy, an older hymn, Marvelous Grace of Our Loving Lord, Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outboard, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. And the chorus is, Grace, grace, God's grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace greater than all our sin. What a gift. God couldn't give you anything better. Your greatest need was to be right with him. And that's the gift that he offers you in Jesus. But once you receive grace, you are under the responsibility to respond to that gift. It's clearly illustrated in the Old Testament. First, the grace and then the responsibility. First, the blessing and then God says, okay, here is your part. It's so clearly illustrated in the story of the Jewish people. They're in captivity in Egypt under oppression, in the bondage of slavery, God sent Moses a deliverer. And God delivered the people with a strong and with a mighty hand. He pried Pharaoh's hand open one finger at a time. God sent one plague after another, after another. And the word said, let my people go. And finally, Pharaoh drowned in the Red Sea. In the judgment of God. 
But when God delivered his people out of Egypt, he brought them to Mount Sinai. And there, the covenant, there, the responsibility was explained to them that they would have towards God. He freely delivered them. They didn't deserve it, but he did it. And then when he led them to Mount Sinai, he said, here's the law, here's the covenant, here's the responsibilities. How do we respond to God's grace? That's what Peter is going to deal with in these verses. He's going to speak to us about our responsibility to God. The first thing that he does is he directs our attention and our expectation to God's coming grace, to a future grace. In verse 13, therefore prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Think of that. What he's saying is all along the road, you get grace from God. Now, you get it at the cross, at Calvary, when God washes away your sins. But all through the journey, God is not dealing with you as you deserve. He's being gracious and merciful. But ultimately, God is going to culminate the gift of grace in the Lord Jesus Christ when he rewards his people for their sacrifice, for their service, when we stand before God in that day, he's going to reveal an abundance of grace because it's not entered into the heart or the mind of anyone, all that God has for them. And so what Peter says is this, focus on a future grace. Here's how you do that, and this is what you're supposed to do. He explains it in detail In verse 13, he tells us where to have a disciplined mindset. A disciplined mindset. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. And what this refers to is think, focus, concentrate on your salvation. In some translations, it translates it, gird up the loins of your mind. And, and the imagery there is uh, a Middle Eastern idiom. What it refers to is, in the Middle East, you know those long flowing robes? When someone wanted to run or someone wanted to prepare for action, they would take those long robes and they would tuck them in their belt and they would be able to move more freely. And so what he is saying is, roll up your sleeves. Think carefully. Focus intelligently and intently on the coming of the Lord and on the coming of Christ. That's part of being ready. Now, now Jesus said it this way. In fact, some Bible commentators feel that what's happening in this statement is that Peter is echoing the statement of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said. Stay dressed ready for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. Those are Jesus' words. Now, he's echoing that. Be alert. 
Now he takes another phrase, and in this phrase he says, be self-controlled. That can be also translated, stay sober, or don't be intoxicated. Uh, the, the idea is don't be drunk with the pleasures of this world. Don't be caught up in this present life that you forget eternal life. Don't let the things of this life intoxicate you so that you fail to think clearly. In 1 Peter 4, 7, it says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. One of the ways that we are sober-minded is that we think biblically when we pray. We think God's thoughts as we meditate and take the Scripture and that forms part of our prayer and part of our intercession. In 1 Peter 5, 8, such an important verse. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Notice, be sober-minded. Because if you're not, the enemy who goes around like a roaring lion will capture and tear you apart. Most battlefields happen in the realm of the mind. Satan attacks our mind, attacks our thoughts, and then gets to our emotions. And what Peter is saying... Keep your eyes focused on the coming of Christ. Keep your eyes focused on the day when he will be revealed and the grace of God you'll receive then. Man, it was great on Calvary. And thank God for the cross. We wouldn't be in the kingdom if it weren't for the cross. But all along the journey, God is showing us the effects of that cross. And the culmination of it will be when he comes back and he embraces his people. For all eternity. So he says, you have to have a disciplined mindset, but there's something else. A hopeful mindset. Now, it's interesting. It's in the imperative when it states, set your hope fully. It's a command. He commands us to set our hope on the Lord. To set our hope on the coming of Christ. Now, we could set our hope on a lot of things. We think of some goal we have in life. We think, perhaps, of uh, an investment we may have. We think of a dream vacation, or we think of some special occasion, and we set our hope on that. Uh, That confidence is is not a well-placed confidence. He said, set your hope on the coming of the Lord. And notice how he says it, said it fully, not partially. So don't have a divided heart. Uh, Say, I'm going to set my hope over here. I'm going to set it over here. Okay, uh, I got to make, have fire insurance for heaven, so I get there. And and so you, you wind up dividing your heart. He says, no, no, put everything you have into one basket. Live this life recognizing that Jesus Christ is coming back. Live this life so that what guides you, what drives you, what directs you, is that Jesus Christ will one day return and eternity will begin. It's an exciting thing when you think about it. 
So set your hope fully on the grace that's going to be given to you when Christ returns. That's how you respond to the grace given. God is saying, respond. You're a debtor to grace. How do you respond? Set your heart. Expect the return of Christ, a future grace that's going to be given to you. And so make sure that you're thinking clearly. You're not intoxicated with the world. And your thinking is focused on the return of Christ. Then he goes on. And he said, you're a debtor to grace. Here's how. Reflect. Reflect on the holiness of God. Live a life reflecting, thinking about the holiness of God. In verses 14 to 16, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Notice the text, as obedient children, don't conform to what? Your old life. Your old life was driven by desire. And those were earthly, worldly desires. He said, don't conform to the past. There should be a big difference between B.C., before we met Christ, and today. Our lives should be different, progressing in holiness. There should be an incredible difference between you and your neighbors if they're unsaved. See, they can talk in ways you can't talk. They can think about things that you can't think about. They can go to places you don't go. They can do things that you don't do. Because you know that one day Christ is returning and you're preparing for His return. There's a difference. And these... These things are vanities, useless. They can all go up in a puff of smoke. So don't conform to the past. You're a new creation in Christ. You've been born again. You've been changed on the inside. But conform to the Lord. In the biblical text, he says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Mm. This verse is quoted by Peter, taken right out of the book of Leviticus. It's God speaking to the people and says, be holy because I'm holy. What does it mean to be holy? Well, some of the things that reflect that, especially it's what is God like? God is truthful and kind and honest and righteous. He's good. The character of God should be mirrored in his children. Like father, like... Yeah. Or his sons and daughters. And that reflection ought to be in your life and in my life. We ought to mirror what God is like. And so that's what he's saying. But often we're like the Israelites. We go through a cycle. It's found, it's evident... In the book of Judges, you see that the people stray from God and then they sin. And then God sends judgment. And then they cry out to God for deliverance and God delivers them. And then they're happy and they're doing okay. 
But then they forget God again, and they sin, and the cycle begins all over again. That's part of the fallen nature that we have to fight and work against. We don't want to fall into those patterns. And that's what he's saying. Focus on the holiness of God. Be like God. Be like God. For God is holy. Be holy. Oftentimes, I think that people never wake up to the truth that the reason for their suffering The reason that they're traveling around in this barren wilderness of emptiness and vanity is because they're not focused on the Lord. They just keep on walking around in this desert of experience. And God is calling us to holiness. You don't come to church on Sunday and say, one day for the Lord, and the other six days you live for yourself. Nor do you say, okay, I'm going to, I've been serving the Lord for a while now, I'm going to take a spiritual vacation. No. Someone has said, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. You respond to the grace of God, you respond to God's wonderful gift of salvation. By setting your heart on the holiness of God and following that, wanting to be holy, letting your life reflect His holiness. Then, Peter gives us even another way to demonstrate how we should respond to God's grace. Live in reverent fear of the judgment of God. Now, this is where Christians really need to camp out, especially Christians in our culture. Because we live in a culture of indulgence. We live in a culture that has written off the holiness and the justice of God so that we think, well, we can do whatever we want. It's not true. Look at the text It talks about God being an impartial judge. An impartial judge. In verse 17. Since you call on the Father who judges each man's work, how? Impartially. That's the first sub-point. Impartially. When God looks at us, He's not going to say, well, they've been in the church for many years. They're really, really nice people. I'm going to overlook this. They've been gossiping. They've been hurting people. Uh, They've been lustful. Uh, That's not too bad. They've been mean-spirited. They've been, well, you, you fill it out. Look at the seven deadly sins. Look at the Sermon on the Mount. God doesn't say, okay, I'm going to make an exception for them. He is an impartial judge. What counts for you, counts for her, counts for him, counts for me, counts for all of us. He is an impartial judge. Today, you may be facing persecution from the world around you. Your walk with Jesus may have hit a rough patch, and now you're unsure where to turn. 
or your life may be going well and you're feeling the blessings of Jesus all around you. No matter the place you are in your life, there is always Jesus. He loves to rejoice with you in the triumphs and to walk with you through the trials. As Dr. Edward Jones continues to take us through the book of 1 Peter, we see that Jesus is the solution in every crisis and the one we can look to each and every day for our own strength. We do hope that you've been blessed by today's message on Building in Faith and invite you to visit our website to learn more about our ministry. Our web address is buildinginfaithradio.com. That's buildinginfaithradio.com. Be sure to find us on Facebook as well. We know how important social media is in people's lives today. And by liking us on Facebook, you can keep up to date with all that's happening at Faith Assembly. We would also like to invite you to join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area for our weekly worship. We meet each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and also on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and have many activities for all ages and all walks of life. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us again here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues to dig deeper into the Word of God, sharing with us the love and hope that only Jesus can offer us. Your Word restores and heals, transforms, rebuilds, and it makes a Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. The stakes of leadership are sky high. Everyone has influence. Come to the Global Leadership Summit on August 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community. The summit features leaders like Bill Hybels, Sheryl Sandberg, Andy Stanley, and more. Experience the summit at Faith Assembly Casper Kill Campus, Poughkeepsie, August 10th and 11th. Register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio willowcreek.com summit.